Welcome back to another episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy in your home to design, architecture, yoga, meditation, and travel. I've created this podcast as a place to come for design inspiration and especially to learn about Vastu Shastra with a modern approach. I'm your host, Katerina Borinova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. Well, welcome back to part two of our unbelievable trip to Belize. <laughs> Jesse's here with me yet again, rolling his eyes at my very fun pun. That's a pun, right? It is a pun. Thank you. We are very excited to be back and sharing with you part two of our incredible, unbelievable trip to Belize. And today we're going to talk about the water part of our trip. So last week's episode, we talked about what it was like on the mainland, exploring the Mayan temples. This week, we're going to dive into staying at Kikelkor, which is an island off the coast of Belize and right by the second largest barrier reef in the world. So before we dive in, let's take a moment to be grateful, to share what we are grateful for before we dive into sharing all about our incredible time on Kikelkor. So Jesse, I'll hand it off to you this first time. All right. Hello everyone again. So what I am grateful for, I guess today, but really in reflection of our travel, is I'm grateful for my love, Katerina, because she is she is the perfect balance of organized and spontaneous. So for for instance, like when we went when we go travel. Everything, every itinerary, every confirmation number, email is all printed, organized in chronological order of as we need them while on the trip, which makes it super easy for me because I just basically just hop on the plane and then off we go. And then, but then that's also balanced with like a great sense of spontaneity, like you listened to in the last episode where we arrived at the Spanish lookout and we had some sort of unexpected free time when we first got there and we just hopped in the rental car and just drove over to the Mayan city and that was very spontaneous or you know we'll go out to eat you know or we we'll go we would go diving but just so that's what I'm grateful thank you my love that was really sweet thank you I know you made a comment when we first landed in Belize and I was pulling out some documents and you're just like this is like military style precision because I pulled out everything exactly chronological so Thank you. I appreciate you appreciating me. So thank you. And for me, what I'm grateful for is in reflecting back on the trip as well, since we recorded the land episode, is I am so grateful that we took the time to enjoy the mainland of Belize, but also took time to just relax and take it super slow, which is kind of the motto of Kikalkor, go slow, because I think... There was so much we wanted to see. We kept wanting to go, go, go. And that was the momentum we had coming off into the trip from work with so much going on in our lives. And I'm so grateful that we decided, you know what? We're going to spend the majority of our time on this island and really take the time to slow down and not plan anything, which is very rare for me to not have anything planned. So I'm really grateful that we chose Kikau Court. All right, so 
Before we jump into Kikau Core, I did want to briefly share with you what it was traveling to Belize under COVID restrictions, because that's something we kind of forgot to mention in the previous episode. And so one of the reasons we chose to go to Belize is because as a vaccinated person, you don't need to take a test, COVID test, antigen, PCR, nothing. And that really appealed to us because here in the U.S., we... Like when we flew to Madeira, we paid $150 each for a COVID test. That's $300 just for the two of us. That's almost the cost of a flight from California to Belize. I think our flight was about 500, maybe 600 with baggage. And so not having to take a test, have to worry about the stresses of, you know, possibly testing positive. No quarantine. No quarantine. Yeah, nothing like that. That was a huge benefit and just kind of like what like led us to Belize because obviously we were supposed to originally go to Nicaragua if the listeners remember we were supposed to go to Nicaragua back in March but due to COVID issues COVID restrictions Jesse got getting COVID in January it just was not possible and it was very stressful trying to coordinate everything and we also had issues with the airlines which I'm actually now not worried to share I know I was I didn't share it in a previous episode but we were going to fly with Avianca Airlines which is a nightmare of an airline to work with we ended up not getting all our money back even though we were supposed to and so Belize just felt right we ended up picking a list of countries within Central America even the Caribbean because and countries that didn't require testing if you were vaccinated and so We ended up listing a few countries. I think it was at the end, it was like Belize, Guatemala, Cayman Islands, and the Bahamas. Those were the four I remember, and those were easy to get to. And we kind of started pushing away from like the Cayman Islands and the Bahamas because they started being too far east. And so we honed in on Belize and Guatemala, and then Belize ended up being kind of our selection after Googling it, learning a little bit about the country. And so definitely a great place to go right now. I you know, when this episode airs too, who knows what the COVID restrictions are once you listen to this episode. But as of May 2022, you don't have to take a test if you are vaccinated. Now coming back to the US, we had to take COVID tests. They were $75 each. We They were immediate. They were the at-home tests, but you had to go to a testing center. We obviously tested negative because we're back home. But so that the ease of traveling into Belize it was pretty seamless. I mean, really no restrictions. So that was kind of the the lore. That's the word I was looking for. The lore of like, wow, like you don't have to stress about it, which in some countries you still have to go through all kind of the hoops. And so that's kind of what I wanted to touch on before we jump into Key Cal Core. All right. So let's jump into our amazing, unbelievable trip to Key. Here's another IRL from Jesse to Kikau Core. And so Kikau Core is one of the islands off the coast of Belize towards the east. So in the Caribbean Ocean, there is, they call it the Keys, actually. Like you have the Key West and the Keys, the Florida Keys. There's also the Belize Keys. And so we ended up picking Kikau Core kind of, I, I don't remember the details on how we picked it. I believe we, I saw maybe unlike, I know we were thinking about going towards the ocean my receptionist at my office was telling me about she had been to Amberes Key and San Pedro, which is a peninsula off the coast of Mexico, and it's considered Belize, or it is Belize, I should say. And then there's a few just like islands, and I must have been on, I think it was actually Instagram or something, and I saw some picture, and it was like, yeah, on the island, it's so great. And for some reason, when we started looking for places, we looked at San Pedro, Amberes Key, 
and started looking there. And I said, no, I remember it wasn't a peninsula. It was an island. So we, somehow we got to Kikalkor, which was amazing. I think we both agree, like, it was a great, great location. And so from Belize City, which is obviously in the mainland of Belize, it is a 10-minute airline airplane ride to Kikalkor. And there is the option of taking a water taxi. We decided to go by airplane. And there's two airlines that can take you there, which is Maya Airlines and Tropic Air. Maya Airlines is like the Spirit Air, it's like Spirit Airlines for all the U.S. listeners. It's pretty low budget, but it was still, I would say, for both of us round trip, it was about $320, I think. So not the cheapest, but Tropic Air was almost double. So just to give you an idea, and we don't know what the cost is for the water taxi, but I think it takes about an hour from the mainland. We were a 10 minute flight and I did really want to see the island from air as we approached. So that was kind of cool. Also, it rained, kind of poured the day we traveled from Belize City to Kikalkor. So I'm really glad we weren't on a boat. But yeah, so we got to Kikalkor on Monday afternoon after coming back from the Spanish lookout. And we checked into our Airbnb, which was the birdhouses. Yeah, the birdhouses. Uh, so we, we took a, a single engine Cessna a prop plane from the mainland to the island. It's a super small airstrip. There's uh, there's two very small buildings. Uh, you, can even, you know, you can say that. One's the Maya, one's the Tropic Air. And that's it. There's no luggage terminal. There's no... Security. There's, yeah, there's no security. Uh, basically, they... Uh, so it's basically they... Uh, bring over like a little golf cart and haul your luggage over and that was it and so we had made arrangements with our host to have somebody pick us up at the airport which was nice the island's very small there's no vehicles on it except for golf carts so a uh, gentleman named Gerardo picked us up on a golf cart was right on time Mm -hmm. Um, and we took the very long two-minute drive by golf cart from the airport to our Airbnb where we Checked in. Yeah, and the Airbnb, it's called the birdhouses. There's three birdhouses. Um, so there's three little buildings, and they all face east towards back to the mainland, but you can't see the mainland. It's too far away. So they face east, though, right on the waterfront, which was really exciting for us because some of the other properties we looked at weren't oceanfront, and we're like, well, we're on an island. We'd like to see the ocean. And it was they're both two stories. So on the lower level, you have a little kitchenette, and a pretty spacious bathroom, actually, we thought. And upstairs, you have a king-size bed with one room and then a patio to look out. And the houses are, I believe, it's the Hummingbird House, the Woodpecker House, and I can't remember the third house, but we stayed in the Hummingbird House, which was the orange house, and it was the most furthest away, which we thought was the most private. And also, both of, all of the birdhouses come with bikes, two bikes. Um, the property is owned by Luis and Lucercia, if I that's, hope I pronounced the name right. A very lovely couple. We only met Luis. We kind of waved at him, but Lucercia was our main point of contact, and she made us feel at home the moment we arrived. I mean, she was just like, this is your home. If you need anything, if you need salt, if you need pepper, if you need olive oil, whatever it is you need, call me. I will respond. I'm right here. They live on the property. And a cool thing about it is Luis designed and built all three of the houses. So there's a real just personal touch to each of the homes. He made the bed frame for the bed 
and made a special storage unit. Jesse's rolling his eyes because the bed frame, I mean, we stubbed our toes. I stubbed my toe too. It was a beautiful bed frame. You could store your luggage underneath the bed, but man, did you stub your toe. I did probably yeah. a couple times a day. Yeah. But yeah, the house, it just, it was very homey oh, and you just, yeah. yeah, the quality, the tile work in the bathrooms, just, it felt very at home and right away you felt welcome. You felt super safe. Um, the property was very private. We were more towards the residential area of the island, not so much the touristy bars, restaurants, hostels, hotel area. So it was super quiet at, well, it was quiet at night away from people. The birds were very vocal. Yeah, birds were very loud, but there was, uh, there's mangroves uh, all over the island. And so to the south of us, the property backed up to the south to a mangrove. So there's a small mangrove there. And then there was, there was one off the property in the, in the water, probably about a hundred feet into the water. There was a, there was a, another mangrove. This one was probably about, about 50 feet by 50 feet in, in size. So not huge, but it was a major nesting point for a couple species of birds on the island. And they're, they're just super loud, but I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm, I, I'm up early anyway. Mm -hmm. So for me, this, the sun is starting to rise. The birds are calling and they're, you know, talking to their mate and they're going out and it was mating season. So it seemed like the birds were always coming out and gathering nesting material and bringing it back to the mangroves. So I, I enjoyed that. It's like it, they were loud. Well, they weren't loud, but they, you could, you could hear them. We like, again, we like to sleep with, without air conditioning. And I don't think the place didn't have air conditioning anyway. So it we did, had all the, did. we had all the windows open and so you could hear, hear all the birds. So I, I liked it. But the nature aspect of this stay and this Airbnb was, I mean, we had a cute little gecko, which was not cute the first time I saw it. I got freaked out, but it was like the view, the mangroves. Um, do you want to share our friend in the mangroves? Yeah. So you listened to the last episode about the land portion of our trip and where we had, where we saw a crocodile uh, out on the river, the Belize River. So we were out enjoying a few beers on some uh, lounge chairs at the water's edge and just kind of watching and and I and there's it's it's a pretty gentle current going by, but it was definitely a, a south current. And I saw something on the edge of the mangrove and it was just sitting, sitting there and I thought, well, that's kind of odd, but there was kind of little pockets of mud and stuff and branches next to the mangrove. But then I see this thing, it's floating against the current and it's just two dots. I'm like, oh, they, you know, they're about a foot apart, uh, maybe a little, bit, a little bit bigger than a foot apart. And I go, man, it sure looks like a crocodile snout and eyes. So I thought, uh, it's, the, it's the ocean, you know, probably not. And then I see the tail pop up about three or four feet behind the eyes. I thought, oh man, that's absolutely a crocodile. And then we watch it sort of swim off towards like this another area. So yeah, so we we had another little buddy um, on the island. Yeah, little buddy you got a little closer to the following evening. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's probably not, not a, in hindsight, it probably wasn't a, a great idea, but I did want to see, I kind of wanted a closer look at the crocodile, and I was 
fairly sure I could lure it closer to us. So I just took a, a stick, it was probably about five feet long, and it was getting, wasn't sunset, but it was getting close to sunset. And so I just kind of tapped the stick in the water and kind of swished it around and thinking that, you know, thinking that the crocodile would, would hear it and it would be like, you know, an animal distress, it would, you know, trigger a hunting reflex. And wow, did it ever trigger a hunting reflex? So it, we saw it pop up um, in the same spot as, as the day before. And then it swam so fast. Its tail was, was swishing right to left and it came right up to me. It was uh, two feet away and stopped and kind of looked at me, and uh, but I, I wasn't moving. Katarina was filming this or was taking pictures. To, I couldn't figure out how to, it was so quick, I couldn't figure out how to do film yeah, on the phone. Yeah, it, it came, it, it, came it, quite. It, it was just instant, it was just on top of us instantly. Um, and it was probably about five feet long, not real big, and I don't know what species of crocodile it is. Um, it had sort of a thinner snout, and I know there's caiman, caimans down in South America, I don't, I don't know if this is related. It definitely is a crocodile though. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, I said something like, oh, aren't you cute? And I lifted up the stick out of the water and it turned and snapped at it. And then it just sped off mm -hmm. and it jetted straight out about a hundred feet away. And then Katarina got, cause she's using my phone, not her, which why she couldn't didn't get it over to video right away, but we did get some good pictures of it. But when she switched over video is when it was about 100 feet away, and I tapped the water again, and you could see it swam straight towards us, but then stopped about 50 feet away. I was just like, no, it, I think it definitely was like, no, I, I know, I know your people now, and definitely not down for that. And uh, we actually ran into a couple, a couple days later. And the, the gentleman had been to Keycocker before, and he had said that, that uh, he had heard about crocodiles on the island the last time he was there, and then this time he had heard that the locals are actually trying to capture a couple of the larger crocodiles because one had uh, recently bit somebody. Mm -hmm. um, we, don't, we don't know what the circumstances were when somebody was bit, but like I did not, not near our place, but on the north of our place, I did snorkel in and around some of the mangroves and and seeing crocodiles, but I could see in those places where the water is deeper um, than where our place was, I could see snorkeling coming in and encountering a, a crocodile without thinking about it, especially yeah. during like nesting season, you know, the, the mama crocs are super territorial uh, when it comes to their nests, so I could easily see that happening. No, and absolutely, and the couple you mentioned, when we were talking to them about it, and I was like, oh, I didn't know there were crocodiles here, and the girl goes, there's crocodiles here? So I think that goes to show that people just don't know. Obviously, yeah. the island doesn't advertise it, but no. beware, just obviously be cautious. I mean, you are in a country with lots of exotic animals, lots of different types of animals, so do be cautious, um, because we did see some incredible animals, but of course, there's the people who kind of just take a step too far or are oblivious and don't know yeah. that the animals are living on the island. I will say that's probably the only predatory animal I would worry about 
in Belize because we we swam, we explored the jungles, and then we you know we swam and snorkeled uh, all over the place. And I can tell you just based off of some of the animals we saw, which we'll talk about here in a minute, that there's no predatory sharks there. There's nothing that. that there's nothing else in that in the waters you'd ever have to worry about. So if you're in open, clear water, then you can just snorkel without hesitation. I mean, there's there's other things that can hurt you, but there's nothing out that actually hunts, you know, that would come up and attack a person. Yeah. No, and then it was good you brought up the mangroves that you did snorkel at because that brings us up to the first night where we ate dinner, which Kikakor is actually two islands. There's the North and the South Island. And originally the island, it's very long and thin, very flat, not a hill. It was perfect for biking. I'm, I'm so glad we had the bikes with the Airbnb. But the island is now split in two. And originally the fishermen that used the you know, used to use the island around the 1950s, they cut a little channel or canal, I guess. It's like, a, like the Panama Canal, but a tiny one where they allowed two boats to pass through in between the islands so you didn't have to go all the way around the island um, if you needed to get by, so they cut it in half. And then in October 1980, 1961, huge hurricane came through. One of the major hurricanes to ever make landfall in Belize came through and cut the island in half, essentially, causing it to split which is now what today it's called is the split. And I would say, what do you think, between the North and the South Island, it's a good 50 feet? Oh, I'd say it's probably 75 feet. 75 yeah. feet, yeah. Pretty so, good distance. And it is definitely a traffic route. Like oh, there yeah. are boats going back and forth. I know we snorkeled a little bit on the Northern part of the South Island. There was some little, you could see the original split, I think there was. Mm -hmm. I think we saw a boat that capsized there. And then on the north part of Kikalkor, which is less developed, has more of the mangroves. We never made it out that far, um, but you can take a little ferry, which takes you across. But yeah, so that's the split, and that's where we ended up having dinner. We ended up eating at the Lazy Lizard, which was a very fun spot. Lots of music, lots of my like reggaeton and like Latin music, so that was really fun. I had an amazing red snapper just on the grill, super delicious. And then you had some jerk chicken, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Super fun, super good. We had some beer and just kind of snorkeled a little bit, got in the water, so warm. So that was kind of the first night of Kikalkor, which was really good. And then we kind of ended up cycling back. We got more adventurous as as the, the trip progressed. But so that was a fun kind of first day in Kikalkor. And so then Tuesday, we decided to get a little bit more familiar with the island, but didn't have too many plans. We ended up having breakfast, and this place we actually ended up going back to a few times called Caribbean Colors. And again, I will leave all the links in the show notes for all the restaurants, but Caribbean Colors was really good. The food, they had vegan options, gluten-free options, which we also noticed on the island there was a lot of vegan options, gluten-free options, dairy-free, vegetarian. So it was definitely nice, especially for me, lactose intolerant, to be able to have the options of choosing vegan. Um, and if you are vegan, know that Kikakur definitely does offer vegan cuisine. And then we went back to the split because we wanted to try out our snorkel gear because the next day we were going to go snorkeling. So we went back, had, I think, just beers of the Lazy Lizard because that's right on... We had cooks. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, it was pretty early actually. We had cooks. You're right. And then we kind of had a little bit of a siesta. We, you brought a new game with us called Mastermind, which I'm like obsessed with now. And so we played that, and we just kind of kept it easy. We ended up 
having a little bit of rains, we went and played foosball at one of the restaurants, which was really fun. And I realized I'm not very good at foosball as compared to you. So that was super fun. We had some french fries. And then we had dinner at a restaurant, which we ended up coming back to our last night, called Habisca. And hibiscus is after like the hibiscus, hibiscus, thank you, hibiscus flower. And this restaurant is owned by a Canadian chef who traveled around the world, especially was in Europe a lot, came back to Kikaukur either. I know there's a few chefs on the island who either were from Kikaukur, were from Belize, or met um, someone abroad. So there's kind of a mixture of cuisine, but we had a really good dish. I think you had this beef fettuccine with mushrooms, if I recall. It was, uh, it was a chicken fettuccine. It was chicken, oh, fettuccine, okay. homemade fettuccine noodles with a mushroom sauce, but the mushroom sauce uh, was, was broken down from a short rib, braised short ribs. And so, they, so there's a little bit of actually minor amount of meat in the sauce, but it was a chicken dish. Yeah. It was super good. Yeah. I don't know if I had a bite of that one. I'm not a big fan of mushrooms, but yeah. it looked really good. And I had some sort of tacos. It was some sort of fish tacos. I fish tacos. Fish yeah. tacos. And the owner actually ended up stopping by our table, seeing if everything was good. And yeah, that was really delicious. It's definitely a place during the high season. Again, we were there during the less um, touristy season. They do recommend reservations. So that's something you want to keep in mind. But we were able to show up. I mean, we did show up at like five o'clock, which dinners there are definitely a little bit later. But that was delicious. And then for the big day that we spent, the most active day was Wednesday, where we booked, or you booked a tour. You found an amazing tour company called Salt Eco Tours. And we ended up doing a snorkel, snorkel tour with them to Holchan, which is part of the Barrier Reef. And the Holchan Marine Reserve. The Holchan Marine Reserve, which, well, let's yeah, let's dive into that. No pun intended. Mm. I know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I found the, these guys through TripAdvisor, highly rated, and so we stopped in the, and and super helpful. So we stopped in on Wednesday, just to just to say hi because uh, we noticed that their their they've got their little cabana was was open and, and staff was there. Stopped in and we said, hey, we're just checking in. We're booked for tomorrow. And they're like, oh, great. They're like, I said, I asked if they saw any problems with the weather because it was a little windy, kind of, you know, little spits of rain here and there. And they said, no, we don't think so. They said, but tell you what, just double check your email address and then just keep an eye out for an email. If it, if it looks like it's bad in the morning, we're going to email you and we'll go and get you on the list for Thursday because we went our reservation was for Wednesday. So we said, great, super helpful. We showed up Wednesday and they're like, yep, yeah, we're, we're going today. And they had two boats. And so they divided, divided everybody up into two different groups and just had a, had a blast. Our guides were um, Charles and Philip. And uh, Charles has a ton of personality, really made the trip fun and energetic and had you know had what you would expect is like the regular tourist jokes like on our way out to this it was probably about a 35 40 minute uh, boat trip out to the whole chan you know as we're motoring out of the out of 
the, where they were docked. He's like, well, is it besides, he's like, besides Philip and I, is there anybody else who's first time snorkelers? You know, and, and so the jokes that you normally expect. Yeah, I think my favorite was when they're like, um, yeah, if the boat's on fire, please point to your nearest exit. <laughs> yeah. Just point it off. And yeah. he goes, exactly. And yeah. he goes, this is not the Titanic. The captain does not go down with the ship. If you see Philip and I abandoning the ship, you abandon the ship yeah. as well. It was just super fun. Like, they were just fun. It was, yeah, corny, but very fun. And then, of, of course, as we uh, sort of motoring slowly and we get over to the split, and it's they, they also utilize the split to cut across the island before we headed up north to Holchan. And so Charles says, does anybody know what this is? And... Uh, there's a gigantic, there's a sign, it's called The Split, very colorful, it's probably 15 feet long and 6 feet tall, so it's easy to identify, but somebody says The Split, mm-hmm. and he says, does anybody know what The Split is? And of course, nerd Katarina here <laughs> starts saying, well, in 1961, <laughs> and, he's, and you can just see his face just went, his mouth open, his face just went blank, he's like, okay. <laughs> I know, I got so excited because the day before while we're sitting there, I had Googled it. That's the only reason I knew why. Uh-huh. But yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. But we uh, motored out. It was a little bumpy because it was a little windy, so it was, it was choppy at the front of the boat, um, which I don't I don't mind. I don't get seasick. We had, had a good group, too. Yeah, we had yeah. a good group. And yeah, we got out there. We, well, we did stop. Uh, so after we went through the split, we did stop at a sinkhole uh, to to look for some manatees and they and so they told us you know every once in a while they see a manatee when they're on tour they said you know tell us what to look for and we were just looking from the boat we didn't see anything and they said well they said we'll we'll, do, we'll stop here on the way back um they said it's pretty rare they said it was it's pretty uncommon to see one here and it's pretty rare to see see them in couples pretty much only if they're mating or if if a mom calf, uh, mom has a calf with her. So we didn't see anything. So off we continued up to Holchan where we checked in with the park rangers. There's a, a flotilla uh, building there and there's a park ranger. So we checked in, we, we all got wristbands. Which that was another funny joke that Charles said. He's like, we're all gonna get wristbands. He's like, so if you run into a shark, Show him your wristband and he'll leave you alone. I yeah. know. <laughs> they're so corny, but they're so funny. I just, I, it was fun. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we, uh, first dive, I think we were in the water maybe 10 minutes, if that, and we saw our first uh, green sea turtle. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool down. There's a lot of seagrass in that area. Cause like, like Katarina said, it's the large, second largest uh, barrier reef system, second to only. Uh, the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Um, so there's a lot of seagrass. And so the water's very calm, it's very clear. And, you know, animals like turtles can just chill, just slowly graze through the plants and eat. And so that was like the first real, you know, showy creature we saw. Yeah, no, it was. And it was definitely a busy area too. It's where we saw the most amount of people, like the boats just kind of, I think, didn't we just chain up with other boats and then you just kind of get in line and but I have to say like we had you know Charles and Philip had Charles was like keeping us in line and somehow we all I mean it's hard when you have a group of snorkelers 
who have their head down in the water are looking at stuff, then they follow an animal because they're like, oh my gosh, everybody's got GoPros, everybody's filming, everybody's got their phones and their iPhones now can go in the water, we found out. And so, I mean, he kept us like, okay, Charles's group, and he, I mean, we were like little ducklings, but he kept us in line, and so we got to see some amazing stuff, and he would also point out anything we saw, he'd come back up for air, if you heard him, you heard him, I know we caught a few of his stuff, and he goes, okay, I'm about to point to this fish, or this fish I just pointed to, if you came up with me, this is what it was, and, or this is the sea turtle. They were also GoProing the whole time. So there are videos for us to use, which was really cool. We got a link after. But another thing to mention about this tour company too is they are very eco-friendly, which was a huge selling point even for the couple we met. Because as you learn further on, as we get to different stops, they are definitely more eco-friendly. They don't feed certain animals. Um, so animals come to the boat. So there's there was a different um, kind of level of appreciation too for for the animals and for the barrier reef as well yeah they yeah they definitely make sure that the animals are well respected people aren't touching them or bugging them like we would shadow an animal for a period of time and then we would break off so that we're not harassing or stressing the animals Mm -hmm. so that was really cool which Um, other tour groups like from videos i've seen and things you see on social media People are petting the sharks that mm-hmm. we ended up seeing, not to jump forward, but there's people petting that stuff. They were like, nope, you do not touch them. You mm-hmm. keep your distance. Um, so, yeah, so that's definitely something to be mindful of. But, yeah, this tour company was really great. And so from Holchan Reserve, which also just to kind of bring in some Mayan knowledge from if you've listened to the previous episode, again, we talked more about the Mayan culture, the Mayan empire, Holchan, Res- Holchan Reserve was a place Mayans came to a lot. They came to fish here. They got conch shells here. This was a huge spot for them. It was one of the main spots that they would go to for whatever fishing, for the food, the animals. So this was definitely a huge part of Mayan culture, which was kind of cool for us to reflect back on when we heard about that is, wow, we saw where they were, which for us was a hour and a half drive. I would say from San Ignacio to the coastline, Almost maybe an hour 45, two hours-ish, depending on what traffic you hit along the northern highway. That's a two-hour car ride for us in the modern time. For the Mayans, I mean, that must have been a multi-day trek. And then to also go to Holchan Reserve and know about the Barrier Reef Mm -hmm. is really fascinating. And so from the Holchan Reserve, we continued to... Where did we continue? It wasn't the conch shell stuff. We had just another... Just another stop. Just another stop. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We, yeah we just, we, we just... Kind of motored. made our way south, right? We, we started at the northern part, which is Holchan Reserve, which is very close to San Pedro. Yeah. And then we slowly made our way back. Yeah. So we stopped, yeah, we stopped again, we swam. Yeah, we that's saw. probably when we saw, we saw just a ton of just tropical fish, just oh, yeah. all kinds of tropical fish. And I think what we, we it's probably the, one of the, I think the second stop, was the first time we saw one of those stingrays and we saw that was the first time we saw we saw two nurse sharks on that second stop one was down by a cluster of reef and then one was kind of out by itself and i think that was probably the two more significant animals we saw on that stop and then we ended up going to the conch graveyard which there was a fisherman who used to come out here and he would leave all his conch shells there and so the conch shell graveyard it really was 
there were thousands mm -hmm. upon thousands of conch shells. Of course, they've been covered with seagrass sea and algae and everything. But at that point, I was getting hungry. I was like, man, I am so hungry. But I knew we had to go to one more place, which was Shark Alley, to swim with the sharks. And I'm like, wow, I'm getting a little hungry. So we get back on board. And all of a sudden, Charles is like, we got some who's hungry. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm hungry. And he pulls out these freshly sliced, what it looked like freshly sliced, a huge platter of watermelon. And it was so good. And... I don't know if you guys remember, if you, as a child, you went on school field trips, but all of a sudden I felt like a kid because I was like, wow, we did not bring any snacks on this trip. Like, I don't even think we had any granola bars with us at that point. And I thought, maybe we did. Yeah, Jesse comes more prepared than I do. But I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like a kid. They're like, here's some, here's some watermelons. Everybody got water. Who's got water? Who needs water? And like, they just fed us so much, which was so good. And then we went to Shark Alley. And they had rum punch. They had rum punch, of course. Water and rum punch. But yeah, we nobody was doing drinking rum punch at that point yet because we were still like snorkeling. I don't think so. Yeah, I I don't think think so. They, they broke it out though. They broke it out. They said, yeah. does anybody want it? But everybody was pretty serious about snorkeling. And when you drink a little bit, it's kind of hard to snorkel and enjoy. But everybody was very excited for Shark Alley. So we headed to Shark Alley, which is this part of the reef where a lot of sharks come to. I don't think they told us why. It's, well, it's still still in the reserve. So at this point, and, and we're still in the whole Chan Reserve. And no, they didn't really say why the sharks were there, but um, there are tour companies that, that feed the sharks, that chum the water for these nurse sharks. And so for anybody who doesn't know, nurse sharks are fairly docile. They don't have, they have like a, a smaller mouth and they eat, yeah, I, don't, I think they eat like um, shellfish and and things like that. Bot, they're I think they're more of like a bottom feeder type fish, so it, so they don't have like big rows of sharp teeth. You know, they just kind of more chill. And it's funny that that's not it's not funny. It's probably kind of sad actually. The sharks have been have been fed for so long that back back at some point in the in the past, um, tour companies had made had up with an agreement that they would feed the sharks on the right side of the boat always and they would enter the water on the left side of the boat the charles uh, as we were motoring up to the spot told us uh, he says he says okay the sharks are going to come up to the right side of the boat and because they're going to they're going to assume we're going to feed them so they're only going to be here for a few minutes because once we don't feed them they're just going to disappear he said, so get ready, get your fins on, get goggles on. As soon as I tell you, get in the water and on the left side of the boat. And so I, I'm probably the quickest in our group. So I had all my gear on. And as soon as you said go, I was in the water paddling uh, around to the, to the side. And sure enough, dozen, two dozen nurse sharks. Some of them were smaller on, you know, three to four foot. Some of them were bigger, five to six foot. Some there was an occasional one that was a little bit bigger than that, and and they get sort of a bigger, rounder head when they when they're really big like that. But they would just come up, uh, swim right right past you, right underneath you, kind of bump into you, just whatever, just waiting to be fed. And then, as Charles said, as, as soon as they didn't get fed, they were off to the next boat, and. But there was just so many in that area, and they, they just be have become so accustomed to being fed in that area that they're just 
dozens upon dozens of them. And, and they would, as a new boat would approach, you know, they would come over to that boat and then sometimes a handful of them would peel back to our boat thinking, oh, is this boat new? And try, try to get fed again, but always on the same, always on the right side of the boat. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was really, it was kind of sad that, you know, it's like, obviously they, they looked very healthy. I, I don't, mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't think it's like they, they rely on the tour industry to feed them, but they definitely know that, that, that some boats feed them. That's why you wonder what happened during COVID when there were no tourists, there mm -hmm. were no tour companies out there, how the ecosystem of the barrier reef changed. Obviously, they're up and running again. Sharks know, oh my gosh, I remember, mm -hmm. you know, the generations remember, hey, that's right, you know, whatever happened two years ago, who knows, but yeah. people are coming back. And so, so yeah, so Shark Alley was definitely fascinating. It, we got some great footage on our GoPro, which I'm sure I'll post videos on Instagram and then after we swam with the sharks, we had lunch there. Again, provided we all had our own individual containers that had really good chicken, little coleslaw, some potatoes, and... Mac salad. A mac sa oh, it was mac salad, not mm -hmm. coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was really good. That really fed us all. We had more watermelon. I think they, they didn't pull out the watermelon and pineapple at that point, but they were like, does anybody want rum punch? Everything... And we really just sat there and ate. And I'm really glad our tour group, we got the tour group we got because we got to eat lunch at the Shark Alley. So we still saw sharks passing by. And the other tour group, the other half, they ate their lunch at the Conch Shell Graveyard um, before they came over to us. So they kind of tried to split us up a little bit. So that was really cool. And then from Shark Alley, is that when we went to see the manatees? Okay. So after Shark Alley, we were fed. We went to probably the coolest spot we saw. And as we're pulling up again, you know, you're trying to be like relaxed, you're jumping in the water. And then, you know, Charles is like, okay guys, we get to this next stop, it's go, go, go. Like, we don't know, we gotta jump in, we gotta see what we're gonna see. And as we're coming up to this one stop, they, somehow they knew that there were two manatees. I don't remember if they heard it from somebody else, but word was there's two manatees in the water. We're about to see two manatees. There, you know, Philip, Charles are like, we're getting excited because, but he goes, we get in the water. When you get in the water, he's like, everybody needs to be at least, was it like 10 to 15 feet away? Yeah. Like this animal, they're like, you do not go past us. You keep your distance. They're probably sleeping. You do not approach them. You do not touch them. You do not like everybody yeah, back they, up. They do not free dive in this area. Yeah. Like, like you just need to. We need to be respectful, keep our distance, don't stress the animal. Mm -hmm. Which was really huge. And we saw five, five manatees. manatees. We believe it was five because yeah. we saw one single one floating by himself. He must have been sleeping. And then all of a sudden, somebody in the group noticed, oh my God, there's two over there. And they weren't a mom and a calf. It was mating season. Yeah. So these two were courting. They weren't doing it but they were courting so we saw two courting so that's three and then we saw two more we saw two more two yeah. more yeah yeah so that charles and philip they were super excited they were yelling out to the other uh, boat of people coming up and yeah there was it was just super exciting and I'd, i've never seen manatees in the wild 
and I've heard about them in places like Florida and mangroves and stuff. But to see these animals out in the open ocean, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, that there's no real predatory animals there because these things, very cool, semi-majestic, but the slowest creatures I've ever seen. I mean, they, they couldn't move fast to get out of their own way. So there, there's, there's absolutely nothing out there that's, that's of any size that, that's a predator because it would, you know, there would be no manatees at that point. Um, in fact, when we were approaching Shark Alley, it was another one of Charles's jokes. He's like, all right, so we're approaching Shark Alley. You're gonna see some of my favorites here. You're gonna see hammerheads. You're gonna see tiger sharks. We may even see some great white sharks, which is all hysterical because there's none of those sharks in the in the in the area, and uh, but the manatees were super cool. They were just really slow, really chill. But I don't know, just something about them was really interesting. It was, and I think the rarity of it, and also noticing how Charles and Philip were beyond excited. These are two guys who go out there almost every day. They see this, like, oh my gosh, here's a fish, oh my gosh, here's a shark, here's a sea turtle, this is so cool. But for them to get excited about the manatees, and they were just like, oh my gosh, there's five. Like, it's amazing, especially because manatees are solitary animals. You only usually see one, you know, again, two if it's with the calf. And so just to see five within, I mean, a 50-foot radius of each other, it was incredible. And so seeing them, then, of course, we got to see them. And then Charles said, okay, guys, let's kind of head back. Let's head back towards the boat, but let's take the long route. And so we ended up seeing more fish, more a few sharks here and there at that mm-hmm. point. Um, we didn't see any more sea turtles, but we saw a lot more fish. You ended up seeing a lionfish. You saw an eel at one point. Oh, well, we made one more stop. Yeah, after that, we made one more stop. And that's where we saw that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah that's right. At the... At the- the reef garden. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so we dove there, and yeah, did uh, one of the other divers. Um, I was showing him a moray eel that I found next to in a sea urchin cluster, and he motioned me over to a reef not too far away, and underneath the reef was a, a good-sized lionfish. I didn't know that they were in the area, which lionfish can be a very can be an invasive species. I don't know if they are in Belize, but I know I, I, I have seen um, specials on where they are really invasive, and I think it's in places like Florida. But anyway, yeah, saw a lionfish there, and then saw another one further later on in our trip also. So that was absolutely an amazing day. We saw incredible wildlife. I didn't think we'd see any more wildlife, which we ended up seeing more of. But that trip, again, Salt Eco Tours, really recommend them. They provided food, transportation, and of course, at the last snorkel spot, the rum punch was brought out, which was... Again. Again, again, but more people joined this time, for sure. And then we ended up making our way back to Kikalkor, but this time we didn't actually, because we had seen five manatees, we didn't stop at the sinkhole we ended up going to the eastern part of the island where there are these types of fish. What were those called? Tarpon. Tarpon, which again, if you go with a tour that feeds them, these fish will jump out of the water to get the food out of your hand because we did not have food to feed the fish. They came up to us. The other boat had one successful fish come up to the one guy's hand, but 
they kind of were eerie. They didn't really come to us. Um, They're really more shy. So maybe, or maybe they weren't hungry, who knows. But so we did stop there before heading back. But yeah, overall, really fun tour. Um, got a little summer that day. It was one of the more sunnier days of the trip. And so it was a lot of fun though. Highly recommend the tour. And it was the one main thing we had on the island planned. And so another thing we kind of had thought about doing, which was going on the cave tour, which was going, meaning going back to the mainland, going near San Ignacio and doing cave tours, which shows a lot of ruins, a lot of burial sites, and you go tubing through the caves. But we didn't end up doing that. We ended up, again, as I mentioned earlier in the episodes, Kika Core's motto is go slow. And we really honed in on that because we had two more full days. And so the remaining two full days, we just kind of kept it easy. We would wake up, find a breakfast spot. Then we kind of continued with our bikes to a next spot. We played cards. We played Mastermind, which was a fun game. Maybe we had a beer. One day we were at Sip and Dip which was a bar just south of the split at and south of Lazy Lizard, where you get to sit at a table in the water, have drinks brought to you. They ended up giving us free shots. I mean, it was like 11 a.m., but whatever. We were on vacation. We were just having fun. Large fish kind of swimming in and out of our feet. Yeah, so that was really cool. And so of these two days, we kind of kept it easy. We would kind of, as I said, we went to Sip and Dip. We ended up getting Manny Petties. We wanted to get a massage, but... We were so sunburnt from snorkeling the previous day, we ended up um, actually going to get Manny Petties at Ishel Spa, which we highly recommend. Um, the two women were really nice, they did a great job. I had some fun colors for my nails and my toes done. And so that was really fun. But those two days, we also made a huge effort the first day, Thursday, to go to a place that, you know, Jesse, you had found where on the eastern part of the island, there is kind of like a, was it like a lagoon? No, like a no. man. No, it was like right on the ocean front then. Yeah. yeah. In front of Iguana Reef Inn, I believe it was. And what they do is around between sunset time, so 4 to 5.30, the owner of, I believe it was the owner. Or owner, manager. Manager like that, yeah. comes and feeds stingrays. And they come up right on shore and you can pet them, feed them. If you are buddy-buddy with the guy who's got the sardines which we ended up becoming friends with him kind of, and he would give us sardines. But um, the first night we showed up, we got there, like, because we're always early to everything, at about 3.40, and we were like, oh my gosh, there's a stingray. And, like, we were in the water, and I was super, super scared of them, and, like, super skittish, like, they'd come near us. And then by the time, like, 4 o'clock rolled around, there were maybe six to eight stingrays kind of you know checking out like what's going on by like 4 30 there were over a dozen more people showing up and then that day that night they were running a little late with the sardines but once sardines came out i would say i don't know how many stingrays do you 100 100 yeah really? and they were and they were probably the smallest one was probably two foot in diameter the yeah. largest one was good three and a half feet in diameter. Not, so not small stingrays. These are large yeah. gray stingrays, and there were a few bat rays in with them. Yeah. And they were, like, by the time we were feeding them, like, because we became friends with one of the guys who was feeding them, not friends, but, we, you know, he understood. We were also not annoying, which there were a lot of people who showed up, and there's huge signs, like, yes, stingrays can hurt you, of course. Um, they, you know... They said, if you're skittish, you know, a few people came out, like, 
kind of managed, like people from the hotel or people who were kind of managing that area said, you know, the second day especially, like, if you're skittish, if you're scared, do not get in the water. Because if you freak out, you're going to freak the stingrays out and then they could, you know, whip it out with their tail. They could hurt somebody else. Also, they made sure never have a stingray behind you in case you step back. So always we had to be in one line. And so they kind of kept it. But again, also kind of talking about the eco-friendly, should you be should they be feeding them? But it was a very cool experience. And by the time we were feeding the stingrays, I was coming up and petting them and feeding them. And you have just this respect for them. Like they were an incredible creature, very majestic. And it's so I think it was really, that was a really fun highlight, and we made sure to make a point to be there Thursday and Friday night. Friday, obviously, we were, like, laying back, sipping some beers, watching the stingrays, and people, like, freak out, and they're just like, oh my gosh, here's one, here's two, here's another one, and we're like, you have no idea what's about to happen. Mm. So that was kind of fun. And then right next to the stingray feeding area, which was probably my favorite part, was the this little area was kind of a refuge for seahorses. And it was this old fishing net. They let a lot of kelp grow around it, a lot of just vegetation underwater. And it was a seahorse, kind of a little farm, sanctuary, that's what I'm looking for. A seahorse sanctuary. And it was kind of hard to spot them at first, but once you spotted one and you knew what you were looking for, you could find four or five. The one day we found a ton. And so super cute. Some were yellow, some were brown, and of course seahorses, the male carries the babies. And so there were, I think, the, actually we ended up going back there on Saturday too before we had to fly back to the mainland. The bigger seahorses were the males, and one guy, I don't know if it was true, but he mentioned, you know, those look bigger, they could be male, they could be carrying the babies right now. So that was really cool to see. Um, I really enjoyed the seahorses. They looked super delicate. I think that was a lot of fun. But yeah, so I think some of the places, one restaurant we highly recommend going to, which we ended up going to twice, was um, an Italian restaurant called El Pelicano, which is a pelican. We ended up going there twice. We ended up going there once after our snorkel tour, and then one more time the following night. And absolutely delicious Italian food, great service, great atmosphere. It kind of reminds us of Costa Rica actually a little bit. Good wine selection. Very good wine selection. Dessert was phenomenal. Ooh, chocolate lava cake. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, so we ended up going there and we really liked that. Again, as we had mentioned, oh, it's actually called Hibisca by Habanero. We ended up going there our last night, Friday night. That food was delicious. We ended up having... What did I, oh, I ended up having like a coconut fish, which was a little too coconutty for me, but still the appetizer was really good. And then you had some tacos as well that were really good. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So I think overall, Kikaukor was really fun. We ended up having fun breakfast. Oh, another great place to go to is called Ice and Beans. They have really good coffee. They had Vegan bagels, vegan cream cheese with egg bagel was phenomenal. They also have these things called bubble waffles, which we didn't try. They're kind of these waffles. You can make sandwiches out of them or chocolate on them. And that was really cool. So a lot of fun things to do on the island. We didn't think, you know, well, what if we run out of stuff? What if we get bored? But really Monday through Saturday, we just explored so much. And even though Saturday morning, the day we're flying back to Belize City, 
It did rain a little bit, which for two Californians was kind of exciting since we hadn't seen rain, but overall, super fun. Really could not recommend Kikau Core more. Totally agree. Great people, really good experience. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't, you know, we'd heard that, you know, food was maybe a little more expensive than you'd expect, but I, I didn't think so. I thought it was really reasonable. Well, yeah, I didn't even mention what we ate on Saturday before our flight back to the mainland. Um, I think I had the best chicken in my life. And it was four U.S. dollars, which we didn't realize. It was absolutely delicious. It was street food, so just the definitely adventure into street food. It is quality. It is good. Someone, And that's coming from someone with a very sensitive digestion system. The street food is phenomenal. I believe his name was... Kifam, Kafam, something like that. I'll definitely link his place in the show notes, but su- if, if he even has anything I can link, but super delicious. We had this jerk chicken, which was a little spicy for me, but absolutely delicious. Just the meat was just coming off the bones, just so good. And we could not recommend the street food enough. So really just enjoy, indulge, because the food really throughout the whole trip there wasn't one place I thought, mm, the food was okay. Like, no, nah, I wouldn't really. But, like, we really enjoyed the food. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thank you so much for listening to part two of Belize, our trip on Kikal Core. Again, I'll provide a link in the show notes for everything. I do hope you make it to Belize. It is a country we highly recommend visiting. Absolutely beautiful. The culture is amazing. The Mayan history, the food, the people, just everything, the the animals we saw. It was the most animal-filled trip ever. So we could not highly recommend going to Belize. And so thank you again so much for listening to this episode. And if you liked it, please give it a heart or thumbs up and click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. And you can follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. Thank you so much and see you next time. Mm-hmm.